So let's get started this evening. How does the world view adultery? We're looking at the seventh commandment tonight. And how does the world view adultery? In our century, Western culture's view of adultery underwent an astounding descent. Originally, adultery was considered illicit. Then it was justified if there was love between the lovers. Next, adultery was declared natural on the grounds that humankind is innately polygamous. And finally, it was pronounced good as long as there was, ironically, no love. It changed. Friends with benefits. In the 1960s and 70s, the sexual revolution kicked in. It was then that monogamous, one-man, one-woman marriages came under attack. Monogamous relationships were stunting emotional and fanning frustration and resentment. And it began this sociologist, sociologist, Morton Hunt, quoting leading psychiatrists and sociologists, wrote in 1969, the model of polygamy seems better suited to the emotional capacities and requirements of many people, particularly men. It offers renewal, excitement, and continuance of expressions of personal discovery. It is an answer to the boredom of lifelong monogamy. We are by nature polygamist. And you may go, well, what is, what, that's stupid. But here's the thing. That mindset began to creep in. And here's the thing that we see in our culture, in our world, in our country, begin to view sexual relationships so different today. Even with the introduction of pornography, and all, all this was written, and they had this mindset way before there was computers, way before there was any kind of internet or phones or anything like that for people to even look at. And yet this mindset that man needs to be able to express in one man, one woman is boredom. And it can be if you're not doing it the right way. And if you're not living the right way, you're not honoring God with your life. Martin Luther, the reformer, coined a classic phrase, at the same time righteous and a sinner. At the same time righteous and a sinner. And as we look at this seventh commandment, we must understand and, and own that the proper attitude and awareness of one's own sinfulness, we're all sinners. And here's the thing, we can all fall at any time if we're not careful. And so righteousness by God's gift from above, but in himself a sinner, is what Martin Luther was trying to say. So let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Exodus twenty fourteen. You shall not commit adultery. And we've been looking at this last week. We looked at you shall not murder. Then we talked about the Sabbath days and honoring your mother and father. All these we're going through. And these are ones that deal with us dealing with people. The first four dealt with our relationship with God. These are dealing with our relationship with people. You shall not commit adultery. You don't have to be a genius to know the misery that attends adultery. So what are the harms of adultery? There are five harms to adultery I want to look at, but what are the harms of adultery? First, it is the harm to self. The harm to self. There's guilt, disease, 
shame, even can give birth to sin, meaning that um, abortion, things like that. But we have the harm to self, realizing that inside of us, especially with Christians, and that's who we're dealing with tonight, but you think about with Christians, this harm to self that I have sinned, I have failed, I have, and so it harms self. Number two, the harm to marriage, the betrayal, the destruction of one's spouse, the possibility of divorce, trust issues, all of those fly in to this harm to marriage. And many times once, and we think about like with male, female, either way, but when there has been an, an affair or adultery, the one begins to think that the spouse does not desire me anymore. And that can be true in some cases. But with this, we have this, that I no longer can please my spouse. I am no longer desired by my spouse. And what happens is then it plays into our, our spiritual realm, as we'll look at later. But it's destructive to marriage. And you see it. Can God forgive any of this? Yes. And heal? Yes. But... It's harmful to marriage. Next, number three, the harm to children. The harm to children. Infidelity tells a child your mother or father is not worth much and your father or mother is a liar and a cheat. That honor is not as important as pleasure. Obedience is not as important as pleasure. Doing what's right is not as important as pleasure. The pleasure is to pleasure myself, and not be obedient to God's word, not honor my spouse, but pleasure myself. Number four, the harm to the church. The harm to the church. You may go, how does adultery affect the church? Well, usually what happens is if there's an affair or adultery, they no longer come to church because they're embarrassed. And so church attendance goes down. And when they come and they see families and they see all of this, they begin to think their sin is exposed. And therefore, they do not want to come and face the conviction of being unfaithful. And so, so many times that when someone's, even with any kind of sin, many times people do not want to go to church. And I tell people sometimes when I'm talking to them, I go, no one in that church even knows or do they care? They're fighting their own battles, much less worrying about yours. But it's true. This hits us. And then number five, the harm to the world. You may go, how does that harm the world? If the gospel cannot give power to control their sexuality, how can it have the power to save? And as I think about that, and I think about when someone looks at believers for sure that are having affairs or an adulterous relationship, And people look at them, the lost world looks at them and go, if they can't control that, and if the Lord does not have the power to stop that and them to control that, how can he have the power to save me? And so that goes to the question, is there a difference between physical and mental adultery? Is there a difference between physical and mental adultery? Many will say that there is a difference between physical and mental, and in some degree there is. Physical adultery defiles another person's body. Mental does not. Physical adultery invites abortion, and mental does not. Physical adultery is a vehicle for sexually transmitted diseases, 
where mental is not. And so a lot of people say, well, I just did it in my brain, therefore it doesn't affect anyone physically. But let's see what scripture has to say about the mental. Job 31, verse 1, the oldest book written in the Bible, Job 31. It took me forever to realize this was Job and not Job. But anyway, Job 31, verse 1. Remember, this is the oldest book. Job 31, verse 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? Here's Job speaking, oldest book. So what that lets me know, a couple of things. Number one, it was an issue back then. In our eyes is the, is the inward, in the, the, the driveway, if you want to say, into our heart, into our soul. And he says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why should I look at a young woman? And that's what we have to determine we have this mental, and we recognize that the beginning of a, an affair starts with the eyes. If I do not see or desire anybody, therefore, I will not want that. And we know now with, and Satan knows this, you think about, do you think he knows about the eyes? And he uses even the internet, computer, television. And nowadays, you can't even watch a commercial without the things that is going out there that your eyes are looking at. The movies you go to, the eyes and what you see. And you have to guard, you have to make a covenant with your eyes. I'm not going to look at that. And I'm not going to look at a young woman. The Lord takes it even farther. Look over in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We'll begin in verse 27. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that, you, that, that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And so Jesus here is saying it all begins with the eye, mind, and the heart. And he's not talking here about mutilation at all. But these passages call us to a radical purity. Faithfulness is an act of the mind, not merely of the body. And I have to be faithful in my mind. And as I was speaking of Sunday, that we, we become and put in our mind this desire to know God. And we're studying God's word, and I'm putting that in, and that is what I'm faithful to. Intimacy, commitment, and mutual trust are first violated in the mind. Images... To imagine intimacy with someone else is the first step to making, to breaking the unity of marriage. And it happens so quick. And if in my mind I begin to look at some other woman, let's say just me, and I begin to desire that person, 
that already begins to break my relationship with Lisa because I no longer desire her. And I begin to desire someone else. And this used to all be just for men, not anymore. And sometimes with women, they can begin to desire another man. They can begin to desire to be with someone else, maybe who treats them better, who loves them differently, all these things, and a man the same way. And sometimes it goes into, I want to be with someone who respects me more than my wife does. I want to be around. And this desire with our eyes, we begin to look at this person, we begin to see this person, and it can cause us to stumble and fall. And sometimes with, with adultery, what happens is it doesn't start always with the eyes. But it starts with communication. And if you fall in love with who you communicate with, and if you begin to communicate with someone more than your spouse, your heart will begin to turn and you will begin to see them differently. You will begin to see them and desire them more than your spouse. And it can happen like that. And it's easy. And if you're not careful, and you do not make a covenant with your eyes, a covenant with your heart, a covenant with your mind, you will begin to speak to someone. They will begin to treat you with respect, possibly. They will begin to validate where you feel. All of these things, and the next thing you know, your heart goes to that person. In Matthew, as we just looked at, Jesus is not calling for physical mutilation, but spiritual mortification. Meaning, control of physical desires. This means cutting off spiritually harmful practices from our lives. Halfway means, I won't, halfway won't cut it. I can't go halfway, I can't just say, okay, my hand is causing me to sin, therefore I'm just going to take a finger off. The whole hand, you have to sever the whole thing. If the computer is causing me to sin, I get rid of the computer. If the phone, rid of the phone. Go into movies, watching TV, I get rid of those things. And what happens is that is painful. That hurts to do that. And sometimes with our, with our kids, as we raise them up and we have to train them in these things, that sometimes it's painful to get rid of those things. But if it means it will keep me from sinning, if it means I don't have to be around that relationship anymore, I don't see that person more, I no longer talk to that person, I, no lo- I cut that off, that can be painful in a relationship. But if I don't, it's going to cause me to stumble. And it's interesting that, look back in verse 27, you have heard that it has been said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your, you, your right hand causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin cut it off it's not saying someone else do this you do it you do these things you cut it off you quit it you pluck it out you 
And so many times we want it to be someone else. But you must do it. Because if someone else does it for you, you will find other ways around it. In this, this discipline in my life, to cut those off, I have to be disciplined to do it. I can't count on someone else to do it. And sometimes even with our kids, we as parents have to maybe help them do it. But we've realized this in our life. When they, we do it for them, they're so good at getting around it. And they'll find another way. And they have to come to the point in their life that I cut it off. I am going to not do that anymore. And here are ten disciplines to put into your life. And we're going to spend a little time here right now. Here are ten disciplines to put into your life. Number one, you have to seek God. Look over in Matthew chapter 5. We're kind of there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. We have to seek God. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. We have to seek him with all we have. Proverbs 4, 23. We have to seek him. We have to put him first. We have to desire him, the scripture says. He is the spring of life, is to seek him and to know him. And so we have to seek God. As I spoke of Sunday, we have to desire to know him. We have to desire his word. And we put in in our heart. We'll look at that in just a moment. But we have to seek God. And what happens to me times, we're seeking pleasure. And when we're seeking pleasure, we're going to fall. And when the Lord was speaking her later about our hand, our eye, all those things. It is to pleasure yourself, not seeking God. Number two, pray. Pray daily and specifically for your purity. Many don't pray for it and they fall. You can't wait to pray once you started looking and lusting. It's too late. You can't wait to pray after you've met someone and you're beginning to talk to them. Be proactive. Pray ahead of time. Lord, help me not to fall. Recognizing, as we said, that not only are we righteous, but we're also sinners. And so if I start praying ahead of time, Lord, today, help me not to fall. Well, I don't like to pray that. I don't want to pray that. But what happens is I have to recognize that also I'm a sinner. And that I can be proactive and pray, Lord, help me not to fall today. Lord, guide me that I do not fall. Guide my steps. Guide my eyes. Help me to have a covenant with my eyes. Then number three, divine awareness. Divine awareness. Look over the 119th Psalm. Divine awareness. 119th Psalm, verse 9. So we have number three, a divine awareness. 119th Psalm, we're going to look in verse 9. Again, remembering that the 119th Psalm was written to train Solomon. David was writing this, training Solomon. So 119th Psalm, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to his word. We are aware that our ways are wicked. 
But how can I cleanse them is with God's word. By taking heed according to his word. When I study God's word, when I look into it, when I read it, it tells me what I should and should not do. Then when we have this divine awareness, we look into his word. We yield to God and others and not ourselves. When I have self-seeking in my heart, it talks about this in James. It talks about this all through scripture. Philippians 2 says, let this mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus. Who humbled himself and was obedient even to death on the cross. James 3.17 starts from the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. Willing to yield to who? Others and not myself. And so what happens is if I'm only thinking of Jeff and my pleasures, it's going to give birth to sin and sin when it's full grown will bring forth death. According to James 1, 13 through 16. But if I'm thinking of the Lord, I'm thinking of my spouse, I'm thinking of my kids, I'm thinking of others, I'm thinking of the church, I won't fall. And when my son began to date, this is something I began to put in his life and I began to talk with him about this. And I said, Grant, when you go on a date, if you only think of Grant and you start to kiss a girl or whatever... Doesn't even have to go that far. But if you only think of Grant, you're going to fall. But if you go on a date and you think of God, your mother, your father, her mother, your, her father, her siblings, your siblings, her Mimi and Papa, your Mimi and Papa, her pastor, your pastor, it may be the same guy, and I just went through a whole list, you won't fall. And I had demonstrations that I'm not going to use here in public, okay? But anyway, he won't fall. But if he only thinks of Grant, he's going to fall. In my life, if I only think of Jeff, guaranteed, I'm going to fall. If I think of the Lord, I think of Lisa, I think of my kids, I think of my mom, I think of you, guess what? Probably won't fall. But it's when I begin to think of myself. So I have to yield to God and others. Next, memorization. We memorize scripture. Psalm 119.11, you're familiar with, but we have to memorize scripture. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you or God. Memorizing scripture and placing it in my life that I know it. And here's the thing about memorization. <clears throat> Memoriza- memor- memorization, good Lord, I can't even say it. How am I going to memorize it? But memorization doesn't happen with just one time reading it. And here's how I memorize. is not only do I read it, but I begin to repeat it to other people. I begin to repeat it to myself. Sometimes people can do it by writing it down and looking at it. But the way you memorize is to continually repeat it. Then you'll have it. Thy word have I hid in my heart. I'm memorizing it. Therefore, I won't sin against the Lord. His word we memorize. Next is number six, church. 
Discipline yourself to attend regularly to keep yourself under the preaching and teaching of God's word and being accountable to those around you. Church attendance is important. And we talk about this all the time with our kids and with our college age that they go off and they get out of church and out of the teaching and preaching of God's word, they're more susceptible to fall. Whereas if we're in church and we're constantly around believers, we're constantly being doctrinated with God's word and we're hearing it, statistics prove you're a lot less likely to fall. But we think we get deceived. I can do this on my own. And what happens is parents, we don't take our kids to church. We don't keep them in church and things like that. And a lot of times we can travel and do a lot of things that the world has to offer. And we get them out of church. And guess what? We can fall. And they can fall. And it happens like that. Next, number seven, modesty. Why do you dress the way you dress? Modesty is in huge on catching the eye of the opposite sex. And too many times, women and men both, in a sense, but women can dress immodest and it can catch the eye of a guy and cause them to fall, but also catch them to fall. And modesty is important. We have to be careful. Number eight, eye to eye. When you're looking at the opposite sex, sex, look in their eye. Don't let your eyes wander. Just as Job said, I make a covenant with my eyes. And sometimes a covenant with my eyes has got me in trouble. Because I will not recognize a woman if her spouse is not with them. So sometimes if I see you at the store, especially some of you I've known for a long time. But when people visit our church and things like that, I don't allow myself to focus on them. But what happens if I see them in Walmart and they come and go, hi, Pastor Jeff. And I'm going, who are you? I don't say that, but I'm thinking it. My mind's racing who that might be. Because I try not to focus on them and allow myself to think of them. I want to not focus and just contact eye to eye. That's hard. But I do that because I love the Lord, I love my wife, I love my kids, I love the church. And that's a skill I have to learn. When we go to restaurants, I try not to focus on the waitress. I'll have to ask Lisa many times, who is our waitress? Because I don't want to focus on her. I don't want my eyes to wander. I don't want to be looking at that. I don't want to be desiring that eye-to-eye contact. Number nine. Ways to discipline to put in your life is entertainment. Don't allow yourself to watch things that can put images or thoughts into your head. Once they are in, it is almost impossible to take them out. I can remember images from movies that I saw years and years and years ago. I can remember in fourth grade... Walking home from Jane Long Elementary School, I could, rem- I could take you to the spot now that there was a magazine laying in the middle of the street. And me and my little friends came across it. I can't remember everything that was in that magazine, 
But I know it was something I should not have been looking at. And I probably thought I was going to hell because I looked at it. But I can tell you, fourth grade, the street I was going down, where it was laying. Why would that be? I can't even remember my teachers in fourth grade. I can't remember my friends. But here's the thing. I knew there. And what happens is with our kids and with our spouse. And that's what I would try to teach my son. Grant, when you're going to look at to a movie, you're going to take her somewhere. Protect her heart. Protect her life. Protect your eyes that you are both not being exposed to sin. And you're not exposing her. We went to see my daughter. And I've done this with multiple times. But I went to, we went to see my daughter. And she's got a boyfriend now. And he and I talked. And here's what I told him. I called him by name. Well, I called him by, I let him know. And I was buffed up a little bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> Tried to buff up, but anyway. I said, here's the thing. My daughter is very precious to me. And I said, when she's around me, I try to protect her spiritually. And I said, when you're in her presence, I want you to protect her spiritually. I said, not only that, I want you to protect her emotionally. If there's something going on that she does not need to be around, I want you to remove her from that, as I would do. And then I want you to protect her physically. If, if someone tries to hurt her and you have to protect her and you go to prison, I will, I will visit you there. I will send, I will pay for you to have deodorant, hairspray, whatever you need, a comb. I will support that. But I want you to protect her physically. But more, I want you to protect her spiritually, that you do not take her into a place that she's going to be exposed to sin. And I said, son, I'm serious about this. But here's the thing. That's on deaf ears if I'm not protecting her that way and I'm not protecting her mother that way and teaching Grant to protect someone that way that I'm not going to lead them to sin. And it can happen so many times with entertainment. It can happen so many times with even commercials, the things we look at. And then the last one, number 10, is accountability. And we hear this all the time that have some other guy accountable to you. That's great. But the greatest accountability partner in my life is my wife. And when she says, Jeff, that's not appropriate. I don't like to hear that from her. I would rather some guy kind of going, you know, and I can go, yeah, you know, you're right. But I don't want to go home and face Lisa for many reasons. I'm glad she's in the nursery tonight because she'd be amening back there. But one of the things is I have to recognize no one loves me more than Lisa. No one loves Lisa more than me. No one loves our kids more than me and Lisa, than the parents. And so those are great accountability partners. And I give Lisa the right that anything that she thinks I need to take out of my life, 
she has a right to say so. And here's the thing, and she has, and I can be honest with you, and I haven't liked it. But I know no one loves me and our marriage more than her. And so I give her that right. No one loves my children more than me and her. That's why I have this talk with that boy. That's why I had this talk with Grant. Because he is dating someone else's. He is married to someone else's now child. And not only that, more importantly... They're God's child. And with Lisa, she is God's child. And when I think about, do I have a covenant with my eyes to protect my relationship with God's child? Do I put things in my life to protect my relationship with God's child? Do I do the things to protect God's child? But so many times I can go, well, it's not really God's child. It's not really, God doesn't really love her. It's not really someone else's child. And I can be deceived. And I can begin to think of myself. And if I go that route, I'm going to fall. If my son goes that route, he's going to fall. If my daughter goes that route, she's going to fall. So if I place these things in my life and recognize that I am sinning against God and his child, that terrifies me. I use this illustration with people in my office many times. That if now I get someone to really use a name, I'm not going to use his name, but... Let's say Ellie's boyfriend or husband one day writes songs about me about how wonderful I am. That begins to tell everybody how great I am. He preaches messages about how great I am. He begins to give me 10% of his income because I'm so great. But yet he's being unfaithful to her. He is hurting her. Spiritually, emotionally, physically. And guess what? They come to visit Papa Bear. How do you think that meeting's going to go? Now remember, he's written songs about me. He has given me 10% of his income. And yet he's mistreating My child, that meeting is not going to go very well. I'm just telling you. I'll be waiting for him either with a weapon or a knife. I love Bill Cosby the time when he was talking to someone who was going out with his daughter. And he was was peeling an apple and just talking to the guy. Going, you know what? If you hurt my daughter, this apple may be you. So I was talking to this young whippersnapper, and at the time I had a knife in my hand, and I was cutting my pancakes. 
I don't even use a knife to cut pancakes. But I did talking to him about protecting my daughter spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And it was a dull butter knife. I asked for a steak knife. I didn't get one. He didn't understand why. But as I'm cutting those pancakes, talking to him, his tone and my tone, he began to go, yes, sir. And he was drinking water. He's not even man enough to drink coffee, so he's out in my book. But anyway, (laughs) but I wanted him to know the seriousness. I wanted my son, when my son would go take his date to a movie, I would pull up, plugged in online, and I would make him say to me out loud, what sexually is going to go on in that movie. I would make him, he'd go, Dad, I'm not saying it. I would make him say to me out loud the words that were going to be said in that movie. And he would go, Dad, I can't say them. I said, no, 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 no. Grant, you are going to say these to me because I want to hear them come out of your mouth because these are the things you're exposing her to. And you know what? He goes, well, Dad, she's the one that wants to see it, not me. And I'm going, that's funny, Grant. (laughs) And some of that was true. But I said, you let her go see that on her own, Ben. You don't lead her there. And I have to do the same with Lisa. And I keep the remote in my hand because I'm a control freak. But also... That if something comes up in a commercial or in a show, I have the last thing we were watching, I switch the channel. Now, a lot of times I have to try to hurry up and get back to it so we don't miss anything. But you know what? There's certain things that we won't go see. There's certain things we're not going to watch to protect my eyes and her heart. Because if I'm watching it something and something comes up and I begin my eyes to desire that more than Lisa, that opens up the can for destruction in my eyes, in my heart, and in our marriage and her heart. And it will eventually lead to mental and physical adultery. And it happens over and over and over again. And so one of the accountability is Lisa. But also one of the accountability partners is my kids. And when I begin to think about how much this decision I'm getting ready to make can affect them. And now I'm going to be a grandfather. And when I stop and think about how much my decision is going to affect her. She's going to be a girl. The reason I go like this is because granddaughters cost a lot more than grandsons. (laughs) I am starting to realize how much bows cost. Not one bow, but lots of bows. 
dresses that she wears. But also, if I can keep God, my wife, my kids, my grandkids, and I begin to think about them and not Papa Bear, I won't fall. But if I think about Papa Bear, I'll fall. And so will every other one of us. And it's scary. But if I can keep that accountability in my life, I won't fall. And neither will you. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that even on when you were going to the cross, you thought of the Father, your Father. Lord, on the cross, you thought of us. And you didn't fall. And as you walk this life, you thought of us. You thought of the Father. And you humbled yourself and you didn't fall. And Lord, I pray that in our marriages, in our life, but especially tonight we looked in our marriages and adultery. God, that I will think of you. I will think of Lisa. I will think of my kids, my grandkids, and I won't fall. And Lord, if we will put that in practice and have that discipline, we won't fall. And there will be a unity, a harmony, a oneness that you desire. And Lord, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you so much that as we think about adultery, God, that is, Job said, I make a covenant with my eyes that I'm not going to allow anything to come into my life, into that I look at, that I desire, that causes me not to love you, Lisa, my kids, the church, with everything I have. And Lord, I pray that we'll do that in our lives. And Lord, as we'll put that practice in our life, we won't fall. And Satan won't get in and deceive us into stumbling. And Lord, we love you. And Lord, the more we desire you, the less we desire the things of this earth. And Lord, we thank you that that's what you did. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.